It's Florida Daily TV, brought to you by FloridaDaily.com. For all your news on politics, business, and education, it's FloridaDaily.com. Now, here's your host, Ed Dean. Welcome to another edition of Florida Daily TV, brought to you by FloridaDaily.com. I'm your host, publisher, Ed Dean. We've got a lot. It's the month of October. Everything, in the words of Chuck Schumer, I guess you could say, is on the table. Let's get to it. Kevin Derby, who, of course, is the editor for FloridaDaily.com, is with us. And one of my other good friends, Steve Vancor, very, very well-known pollster and political consultant. He is the president of Vancor Jones Communications out of Tallahassee. I want to talk about two big issues. Instead of talking about so much, uh, and we may get to it today, guys, about the presidential politics, two big issues that are on the Florida ballots this year. Actually, there are not that many. There's, what, six, but two big ones, all primary votes where everybody can vote in the primary. And I want to talk about the minimum wage. First off, let's get to the issue of the minimum wage. Here is the latest poll numbers. They've been all over the map. I think pre-COVID, it was up around 69%. Latest polls had it around 65 to 67. University of North Florida came out with a poll this past week, barely is passing the 60% threshold. Here's one of the clips. New polling numbers are out from the University of North Florida, gauging support on the proposals, everything from raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour to changes in property taxes. The constitutional amendment that's garnering the most attention is Amendment 2, which would eventually raise Florida's minimum wage to $15 an hour. Based on this poll, it would barely pass, getting the 60% it needs. So let me let me start off with you first here, Steve Ancor. You know about this issue. Um, I think pre-COVID, this thing would have passed without even, I don't think they'd even have the campaign. Now with COVID, it seems like we, you know, restaurants, you know, we've, the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association says 30%, even more have those have lost their jobs. The Restaurant Association says, hey, it's going to be hard to absorb all the extra amount of costs, minimal wage starting at 10, then increasing up to 15. It, the, the numbers seem to be coming down 67 to 16. Yeah, and, and Are those numbers Right, right. They're coming down with, with obvious reason. The message that the anti-Amendment 2 people have been saying is this raise in wages could cost jobs, right? In a 4% unemployment economy, nobody was believing that, right? Now, as you see actual businesses start to close around the state of Florida, it looks like more and more voters are starting to believe that messaging that raising these wages of already stressed businesses will have an impact. And there's something else the Amendment 2 people need to worry about in looking at this poll. This poll oversampled, significantly oversampled Democrats who's more likely to support this thing. So when you balance out that poll and bring it more in line, they have what's called a plus six model. Right. We haven't seen more Democrats vote in a statewide election in Florida in eight years. All right. In the last three full uh, general election cycles, Republicans have outnumbered Democrats. And as a result of that, you take this poll, you put it more in alignment. That number drops below 60 percent. If I'm the Amendment 2 people, I'm worried. Really? Kevin Derby, you look at the numbers. He talked about how those numbers were skewed to more Democrats out there. Where does this go over the next couple of weeks? Because there hasn't been a lot of publicity from either side, Kevin. Yeah, they, look, the Amendment 2, uh, just like a lot of the other debates here in Florida, have been completely overshadowed by the presidential contest. I do think you're going to see both sides throw money around. With the exception of the presidential contest, this is the top statewide issue, the state's top statewide uh, ballot we're looking at in November. I think that's exactly what we're going to see. <laughs> I do think, Steve, that is spot on, though. Uh, look, this is an amendment which, uh, as you noted, at the start of the year, I think would have been it, 
you know, passed with flying colors, probably got in the high 60s. Now it's a tough sell, especially with Disney just laying off 28,000 employees in Central Florida. It is going to be a very tough sell to this electorate. Steve, let me ask you this. Um, this is a one-size-fits-all. Do you think if the Morgan crowd and some of the, like the Organized Florida, the fight for 15, 15 bucks an hour, if they sat back and said, okay, companies like the size of Walmart or 100-plus employees, we think that we should jack it up to a certain amount, but instead maybe for smaller businesses out there with four to six employees, employees will cut you an exemption. You think if they would have done that, that think this thing would have been easier to pass? I think what they did is they pulled this and they saw that the step up was the strongest model, right? Not going directly to a $15 an hour minimum. And when they were polling this, they were probably polling, as you identified earlier, that they were polling, you know, 65 north. And they thought they could just hold that because that's really what a lot of ballot item uh, fights are about is start high and hold it. And so nobody expected COVID, nobody expected massive layoffs, nobody expected a lot of bad news, nobody expected to see actual businesses shuttering. And so these externalities that they could not have controlled nor could they have predicted are having an adverse impact on it. So I don't think those other things, Ed, would have had an impact on it. I think the biggest really? issue was the step up. Um, Kevin, if Biden starts getting a lot of support for Florida, even though he's up right now based on the amount of returns coming in from Democrats, which are doubling the Republicans, a lot of new registered voters out there sending back in their ballots very quickly, and you know based on history that doesn't bode well for the incumbent, does that necessarily translate into that automatically? If they go for Biden, does that translate, you would assume, conventional wisdom? Democrats like the idea of jacking up the minimum wage. Does that help it out, or do you think there's two different items right there, Biden and the minimum wage? I think they're two very different items. Look, I think there's no way in Hades, either Trump or Biden gets 60% of the vote in Florida, number one. Yeah. You know, and what it comes down to is I think you're going to see uh, a lot of voters cast their votes for Biden, but at the same time vote against the minimum wage hike. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you where, you're going to see that with seniors. Look, uh, Donald Trump was plus seven with seniors in 2016 over Hillary Clinton. Some of these national polls that have come out the past week show Biden with a uh, double-digit lead with seniors. I can't imagine every single one of them is going to be voting for the minimum wage hike. That's, I think, going to be the, the kind of the split there. So, yeah, I do expect to see a lot of voters casting ballots for Biden at the same time voting against Amendment 2. Steve Vancor, let me tell you what I hear from audiences on my morning show. They, they will do my talk show. They will tell you, hey, wait a second. At a principle, we're dying to give money to a pack. We're dying to do something. We, at a principle, do not want to see a minimum wage hike go up. And you know what they're asking? Hey, Ed, who's fighting this for us? I mean, what business groups are out there? We don't see anybody. What is going to take place? They see nobody fighting this. They see no organization coming from the pro-business lobby uh, on uh, beating Amendment 2. Are we going to start seeing that now? Probably not in any kind of significant fashion for the very simple reason that the people we talked about that are most dramatically affected by this, those businesses, restaurants, hotels, uh, uh, and other entertainment venues are the ones that are struggling with whether or not they're going to declare bankruptcy. So at some level, under normal circumstances, the people whose oxes are being gored are the ones who, who donate, right? Well, look at, the, look, at the, the, look at the restaurant and entertainment industry. You think the cruise line industry is in a position to donate a million dollars to this? You think Darden or Disney are in a position to donate millions of dollars to this hotel and restaurant industry? No. So I think they're sitting back saying, hoping it won't pass, but with very little opportunity to do anything about it. Kevin, here's the man behind the, well, he's not behind the curtain anymore, but John Morgan, this is what he said. I'm worried about people going home into poverty after working 40 hours a week and being further behind than when they started the week.
you know, John Morgan, uh, and I'll talk more about this with Steve, but, but, but you got the fight for 15, Kevin, you got all of this. If Morgan puts some more money into this, I would assume if it's at that 60% threshold, this thing could pass. But, you know, Morgan comes across, he's, he's, he sounds like he's the guy looking out for you, the, the middle-class worker out there, the blue-collar worker. If he comes out and supports it more, where do you think it happens over the next couple of weeks? Uh, look, I think John Morgan can go can move the needle either way. We saw that with attempts to legalize medical marijuana in Florida. I think it helped tremendously the second time around. But let's be honest, I think John Morgan probably heard it the first time out based on some of his behavior. Remember the famous viral video of that uh, rant and rave he gave? Look, Morgan is, uh, he is a pro. He knows what he's doing. I think he is a, a fairly well-established personality here. He certainly has deep pockets. If John Morgan is able to, to use those resources and make it about the amendment, make it about the minimum wage, yeah, I think he could, he could actually move the needle. If he makes it about himself, it's a very different story. Steve Ancor, who's also helping move the needle for the pro-amendment to increase in the minimum wage? Morgan has said that, from what I understand from some of the news clips, he's not associated with some of these groups out there. The question is, are there other groups promoting this in the state of Florida? Yes, there are, but they're not doing what they need to do in order to push it upwards, which is spend real money talking to voters on their message. Uh, what you're seeing is a lot of groups League of Women Voters, uh, a lot of the unions and others talking a good game about supporting this, but really not doing a whole lot to push it. Because at the end of the day, directed paid communications to 11 million plus voters who are going to vote is really what makes a difference for these kind of issues. Let me bring up exactly right. Can either be the positive or the negative. Honestly. Right. We're going to see what happens. Let me bring up a big issue, Steve Lex and Kevin. I'm going to tell you this was a big issue on my morning talk show. Was about the all open primary. This is a big. This is one of those under the radar issues that nobody really talks about. But when you bring it up, at least for one day, they'll pull up the phone calls. It's a hot issue about whether or not you should be able. Should the Republicans? This is the argument. I'm going to play the clip. Should Republicans be able to vote for Democrats in a primary? Should the Democrats pick the Republicans? This thing is all over the map. Everybody claims this is going to be California. Here is what is going on for the floor to all primaries vote. Amendment three would allow all voters to vote in state primaries with candidates from all parties on the ballot. 58% support, 36 opposed. This is another one. Listen, Steve, I've talked to some of my conservative Republican friends. They think this thing is going to pass. Explain to the audience in English, does this mean that two Democrats could be running against each other in the November election? What is not being properly described about this amendment? Ed, let me ask you a question. Where do you live? Well, hey, Steve, I got places all over the state. Jacksonville, you got Brevard. Jacksonville. I like you. This is the same exact system that you have in Jacksonville that Mayor Lenny Curry got reelected with by acclamation. This is a, it's a very simple concept, Ed. It says taxpaying uh, voters pay for our elections. Taxpaying voters, voters should be allowed to vote in the elections they pay for. What we've created is a system. We highly gerrymandered districts. We close off the primaries. We're one of only nine states in America that have a completely closed system. And then we say to these people, you only have to answer to the far left. You only have to answer to the far right. We're all paying for this. And then those people go to Tallahassee to represent us. Our process is simple. We run it through the court. It's the only open primary system that's made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And it's very simple. It says the parties can do what they want and they should. This is not anti-party. This is pro-party. Preserves your right to join your party, the party of your choice, without being forced but, hold to on. give up your right to vote. Steve, is it possible that you could have two Democrats run against each other in the, in the general election? Just like you do now, Ed, because right now in your House district, 
you probably have two Republicans who run against each other, and the winner of those two Republicans becomes your House member. But the difference in our system versus that system is under the current system, all voters don't get a chance to vote. Only a tiny right. sliver of the electorate does. Kevin, if you notice, the parties <laughs> don't like this. The Democrats don't, they don't. and the That's Republicans right. are in agreement. They don't like it either. No, they don't. And, and frankly, let's be very clear, because of the presidential election in Florida has been so close, it has completely eclipsed this, this issue. I, I, I was stunned to see this get that high in, in the poll. I really was. I think a lot of Democrats and Republicans, we, the leadership is against it. Doesn't mean the rank and file are. And look, uh, the, the non-party affiliated, the NPAs, the independents, that voting block continues to grow in Florida. This one's going to come down to the wire. I thought it was going to be a slam dunk shooting it down. But I, I, I honestly believe this is one we're going to see uh, come down to a very late night on, to, on election night. You know, really here's do. the thing. Steve has a valid point. Ed, you um, got to get a different guest. We, we agree on everything. My goal is not to have you disagree. My goal is to have a lot of analysis here. Here's the thing. Um, there's a lot of people, Kevin, let me go back to you. There's a lot of people sure. that say, well, it's the Republicans and the Democrats. They're gaming the system. Who's looking out for the Green Party, the NPAs and the Libertarians? Kevin, is there not an argument that could be made? And I, I understand that argument. But listen, if you put up a viable candidate based on the marketplace, Guess what? Maybe instead of trying to change the rules, maybe you ought to change the people running for the libertarians. Or is it just they're never going to have a prayer? So this is the reason why we need to change the system. Look, third parties have never taken hold in Florida, with the exception of Sidney Katz, the prohibition governor from the 19-teens. That's just Florida. Uh, it is a expensive state to compete in. It's the second largest state this side of the Mississippi River. We have numerous TV markets, radio markets. It is a near impossible state to campaign in at the statewide level. That has hurt independents and third party candidates. I don't think that that's really what this is about. I, I think this is about getting independent voters and Democrats in secure Republican districts and Republicans in secure Democratic districts. I'll give you a perfect example. You know, Republicans in my Tallahassee district, eh, not, not, you're not very, uh, not in good shape here. You know, that's what I think this amendment's about. And I think it's why it's going right. to get close to Before I go to Steve, Steve, here's a clip from WPTV where they tried to take this to the courts to have it defeated because they said maybe, because actually muting those out there, the attorney general say the, the people probably have no clue what they're voting on. Here's the clip. The overhaul could open up state primaries to millions of voters without party affiliation. While the public is mixed on opening up Florida's primaries, the Attorney General, along with the Republican and Democratic parties, are united in opposition. Attorneys telling justices in court they don't think people will understand what they're voting on, calling the language planned for the 2020 ballot misleading. So, Steve, I'm going to have you clarify it one more time. This isn't like the Dems can go pick the top Republican, the Republican can pick the top Dems. You could have two, you could have two Republicans run against each other in the general election ballot. You could have two Libertarians or two Democrats in the general election. Is that what you're saying? What matters is that the voters get to choose the people who represent them in Tallahassee and they don't get shut out of their own elections. Whether that means two Democrats face off in the general, which is similar to what we currently have, but only in the primary or two Republicans, is, doesn't matter. If that's what the voters choose, I'm libertarian about this. I'm almost Jeffersonian about this. Let more voters into the process. Let them choose the person who's going to go to Tallahassee to represent them as opposed to a tiny sliver giving me a candidate that's a bad choice, okay? Now, this is good for both parties, right? They get to expand who they're talking to, but the bottom line, Ed, is the voters. Do voters want to be able to have the right to cast a ballot, a meaningful ballot in an election? It's that simple. Say, 
you're a Democrat or Republican or NPA or any of the other parties, it's very simple. Should you be allowed to cast a ballot in a taxpayer funded election? We think you should be. It's you kind of I, I, Steve, I understand where you're coming. Kevin, I, before I get going, I, I want to go back to the old days where basically Republicans had to run like Republicans, Democrats had to run like Democrats. Let's get almost get like a 5149 in the House or Senate district where they're that much closely aligned where guess what? You had to garner Dems and Dems had to garner Republican support. They don't have to do that anymore. Go ahead, Kev. Yeah, no, Steve's absolutely correct. There's a handful of districts, what, maybe three to four of the congressional states, 27 congressional districts are competitive, probably only one this year. Uh, you know, that is one of the problems here. When we have districts that are overwhelmingly blue or overwhelmingly red, it does leave a lot of voters out, especially, especially as the number of NPA voters continues to grow. People are disgusted with the two parties. As we continue to move through the month of October, I want to have you on a lot more, Steve Ancor. I need to have you come on and you and Kevin, no matter if it's an election or not. Kevin Derby <laughs> is the editor for FloridaDaily.com. Steve Ancor, one of the best pollsters and political consultants in the state go to he's the president of vancor uh jones communications steve good to have you on kevin good to have you on today all right another edition of florida my pleasure man another edition of florida daily tv brought to you by floridadaily.com